Well, we've had a, we've had to think about the, the bigger picture. Let's come down to Coventry then, if, if you don't mind. So there are a number of people who criticise what Coventry City Council is doing or not doing to stop global warming. What what would you like to give an opinion about how Coventry is 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 doing to uh, to so help solve the problem? Coventry as a city and maybe as the city council, but just in general, Coventry. What's your opinion? I'll start by giving them. A bit of a boost. I think they've done some good stuff. Like the electric charging network in Coventry is fantastic. It it is good enough to allow people who don't have a driveway to charge an electric car reliably. I have an electric car because I live in Coventry, and there is a good charging network. I don't have a drive, um, and it's fine. It's no problem at all. Um, it's actually better than having to fill up with fuel. Particularly now, it's so expensive. It saves me about fifty pounds a month. Um, so there's a, a that, that's one example. They're also clearly really working on bicycling and making bicycling better in the city. It's not always joined up. There are some small problems, but you know, it's a process and we're getting there. And also I think they're investing in the long term in things like very light rail have the possibility to change the game. I think actually with the resources they have. Coventry is doing quite well. Okay. What they are doing, though, is very much um, focusing on what I call big boys' toys and hard infrastructure mm. and not engaging people in it. Right. Like, they're, they're very bad at community engagement, and there's a lot of things we could do to have a really big impact that are about engaging people and, and also engaging businesses. They're very good at engaging the big businesses, but they're not very good at engaging as much the particularly medium-sized businesses uh, who maybe don't have a kind of sustainability specialist in their company, but are getting asked these questions now by the big companies. And that, you know, there is a, a business network. They, 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 they've got some good stuff, don't get me wrong. They, they do a really good job. But I think it's also... So, so they're, they're, I would say that they're doing pretty well. There are certainly areas to improve. Um, there are areas that the council could go so much further, but I think they're sort of pretty good. But the problem is everyone's pretty bad. So they look good by comparison, but actually they're probably, they're definitely not doing what they should, uh, they, they could be doing and should be doing. So, so yeah. I, I've started on a good note. I'm now going to go on to what more could they be doing and, and, and should they be doing? Yeah, and and actually, this isn't probably something about Coventry. That, that's sort of my point. This isn't a Coventry thing necessarily. This is a a national thing, in that um, in, in a lot of cases that like almost no councils are doing. Um, so uh, on active travel, and part of this is you just need someone brave to stand up, and it's really hard to do that. Um, there is also the, and I'm going to caveat again with the challenge that you have in that uh, central government has really constrained local government in the last 10 years. They've taken a lot of money away from particularly cities. Um, it's, you know, Coventry's budget has halved since 2010 because 
essentially the central grant has, you know, the redistribution of wealth between the rich countryside and the poor cities has not, has, has been essentially engineered out of the formula now. So the um, discretionary funds that a council has are way less. So taking a risk is way less attractive. Having said that, there are clearly things that councils can be doing that we see in other cities that can have a huge impact. So Seville and Ghent are both fantastic examples around um, active travel. They essentially, at, at, at such a low cost, relatively speaking, uh, like a few million pounds, which is a lot, but not a lot, a lot, if you know what I mean. Um, they were able to, it, it, you know, it's the cost of like one tram stop in Birmingham. Um, they were able to essentially convert the city into a city that is cycle first, where you want to cycle by taking sort of like uh, parking and road gutters and, and changing the way the roads were laid out a little bit. Basically, Ghent just made a plan and put some barriers in place. And they took cycling from being something that is done by sort of one to two percent of people, basically poor people who need to get to work on, at weird hours, you know, some enthusiasts, but basically not a mainstream thing to now 35% of journeys roughly in both of those places, which are, you know, cities comparable in size to Coventry. Um, they're probably more well known than Coventry, but they're not incomparable in size. Um, you know, 35% of journeys are now done by bike in both those cities. And it's because of, essentially they, they planned it and said, here's the plan. And then they did it in quite a short amount of time for quite a small amount of money because they had the funds to do it. But also it's not just, and it's not just the big infrastructure, you know, cycle lanes are really important, but actually it's things like bike loops. It's things like um, when I go to a tower block, I don't have a bike there because I don't want to take it up 10 stories. So is there somewhere where I can securely store my bike at the bottom of that block of flats? Where can I get a bike? Can I get a secondhand bike anywhere? It's really hard to get a secondhand bike in the city um, or, or, or a lot of cities. Um, you know, bike loops, you go to loads of places around the city I go, I, I go around to a load place in the city on my bike. There's nowhere to park it. You know, there's nowhere secure that I can park it. You know, a bike loop costs 20 quid. So a bike loop is a you attach your bike to. Yeah, just, just a, you know, a metal loop that's concreted into the ground. Right. Um, and, and also some of that is training as well. So it's not just about the hard infrastructure. It's, it's really important about the training. There's two, two things there. There's... Um, training people to maintain their bikes, which, you know, a bike that is only as good as until it breaks, a bike becomes quite expensive. If you know how to service it and fix it and keep it in good working order, it becomes a very, very cheap way of traveling quite a long way. And the other one is literally training people to ride a bike, particularly in, in and this is something that you see a lot more in certain communities. Um, my mother in law from uh, a a Punjabi background um, and a counsellor in Coventry and um, I've given away who it is now but it doesn't matter um, it, it's uh, well you know she, she didn't learn to ride a bike as a kid we often think about everyone learns to ride a bike as a kid right but actually loads of people don't and learning that as an adult is really hard and can actually feel quite humiliating um, so just having those there's a fantastic project in Birmingham run by the Active Wellbeing Society around just teaching adults and particularly uh, South Asian women to ride a bike. Because if you don't know how to ride a bike, 
you can put in all the cycle lanes in the world. Um, it doesn't matter if you, if you can't use it. So it's those sort of like the small enablers, like asking people, why aren't you using the cycle lane if they can't ride a bike and they don't have a bike because they don't have anywhere to store a bike. Yeah. And when they get to their destination, they can't park their bike safely in the knowledge that they'll come back to that bike and it won't be stolen. No one's using your cycle lane. So you, you can spend, you know, the cycle lane is, you know, a hundred thousand pounds or so for the want of paying an extra thousand pounds for some bike loops along the length, you can get so much higher uptake. So those are those, uh, those sorts of kind of, you need to think about it as a holistic system. And I think that's something the council really could be, be better at is thinking about what are the enablers of this hard infrastructure improvement? So they put in the cycle lane, which is great for me. I can ride a bike. Um, but how do you make sure the community along that route and, you know, the, 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 the cycle lane goes through spawn end. Can the people in spawn end store their bikes on that cycle lane? Yeah. Not easily because of the nature of the buildings there. They're high rise. Okay, so we've done we've done bikes. What what else should the city be doing? I think there's two things the council needs to do. The first is around so the, there's two other, I think, really big things that the council can have a really impact on. Um the first one is around uh, to, uh, well, another one. Another one would be retrofit. So when retro the cost in retrofit is in detail. Talking about houses. Retrofitting houses, but not just houses, but predominantly houses. If you put, so, there's two things. If you put the onerous on the homeowner to do retrofit, retrofit being insulation, uh, insulation, um, heat pumps, uh, that sort of thing. Generally, those two things primarily, but other things, windows, doors. They don't because it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of like organization and annoyance and you're just like, oh, I don't want it. And cost. Uh, and cost, but we'll come back to that in a minute. So oh. a lot of the cost in um, retrofitting a house, but, but a huge barrier is actually that annoyance. Is it's a pain in the butt to do. But actually, and the cost is a barrier, don't get me wrong. But actually a lot of that cost is in detailing. So it's the ends of the insulation. It's... Um, it's, it's small things, basically. It's the fact that you have to have one heat pump that's just for your house that you're not using most of the time. Mm. So if you, what, what I'm suggesting is if you get the, the councils and give them the sort of the bandwidth to do this, to sort of say, we're going to go street by street. And there's a lot of streets in Coventry that basically look the same. Particularly, it works well in terraced houses, um, houses that are sort of well-grouped, flats, those sorts of areas not so much in kind of suburbia, but certainly in, in, and there's a lot of commentary that's terrace houses or flats. Um, if you kind of go street by street and put in the insulation, put a heat pump that rather than servicing one house, rather than having one heat pump per house, you have a heat pump that actually covers a bigger heat pump, but a heat pump that covers kind of five or six houses because if you have a heat pump yourself, it has to be able to meet the peak load of your house. If you have a heat pump for five people, you have the peak load of all those five houses. And actually five houses don't need a heat pump that's five times as big as one house. They need a heat pump that's about twice the size of one house. 
which means the cost comes down a lot more. So you go down from some a heat pump and a full insulation will cost 15, 20,000 pounds. You can get that down to 4,000 pounds if you split it between them because you're not having to do that edging and detailing across the street because the people are already there and they're going to those houses one by one because you get economies of scale around the purchasing of the insulation, around getting the insulation in, all those things. You can save a huge amount of money if you do it street by street. And we've done this before with things like utilities. Like you wouldn't connect to the sewers house by house. You wouldn't put the onus on people. You wouldn't connect to uh, telephones house by house. It was done street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, because that made sense. And I think, I think the problem is, we keep putting the onus on the individual to do a lot of this retrofit. And the role of the council here and central government, central government needs to, to start this. And then we can, I, th I think the impetus needs to come with central government, but I think probably needs to be tested maybe at a, a, a local level as well. Is can we, can the council be the organizing force that does this? And you just get a letter through that says, sign on the dotted line, yes, I'm going to pay the money to, to do the thing. And they'll just come in and do it. And it's it's not that much money in a house context, but it's a lot of money to do it yourself afterwards. So you will get the sort of 80% uptake you got for, or it was higher than that, wasn't it? It was like 90s for, for sewage. Because, yeah, it was an inconvenience, but it was so much less of an inconvenience than the op other option. And at the end of it, it added a huge amount of value to your house. It adds a huge amount of value to your asset and improves your life. Like, let's ignore how much it improves your asset because that's how you get the landlord to do it. But actually, take that out. It just improves your life. It's nice to be warm and not have to pay as much money in heating. Okay. And so that's one of the things, is about the council being an organising force. Yeah. Um, but I think also there's that, um, and maybe maybe actually there's two more things. Um, there's about leveraging finance to do that. So those sorts of things, the council can be, and, and really all of these things, I'm talking about the council being a conduit, about the council being a conduit between private finance um, and the individual, basically. And there's a lot of private finance that wants to finance these kind of things. That was the key the key thing at COP this year was private finance saying, we have money we want to spend on these things. We just need to be able to spend it on these things um, because they get a return on their investment. Um, so those sorts of things, I think that's where the council has to, has to be building those sort of models with private finance to kind of say, you know, and actually part of that, the council can work with its own pension funds to kind of say, here's a great and very secure investment that comes at a decent return. You know, these kind of things give you a 58% return. Um, the West Midland Pension Fund has 13 billion pounds in it. Um, and the return has been in the 15% region. So it gives you a better return than you're currently getting. I'm not saying invest the whole pension fund, but I'm saying there's a, a proportion of that that could be invested in this and would give a very good return, both for the people on two fronts, both for their pension and for the people who get the good thing in that area, you know. Um, so there's, there's a clear pot of money to do there. 
that you can link and 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 also the council can 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 not just invest that in people or in individuals and, and use that kind of um be that conduit to link home homeowners with um this kind of scheme but also there are schemes around kind of um coventry is a very inopportune area for renewable energy um it's not particularly warm if we put a cable to the further south we can get a lot more solar energy um if we built a cable to wales or the north east but certainly to, to to wales and and kind of uh, the irish sea where it's a lot windier we can get a lot more renewable energy um we don't have any major water courses so if we want to get nuclear energy like it or not um low carbon then realistically nuclear needs to be near the sea because it just needs so much water um that those sort of um technologies to kind of build renewables somewhere else and send it to coventry are the kind of large investment projects that the council can be the conduit to take investment to kind of say you guys invest your money and and be the supplier to commentary yes those wind turbines are in scotland you guys then invest in a cable to commentary and we will link you up with people who will then pay for that energy and it will be cheaper for everyone but you'll also make a return and those are the kind of things i think essentially i'm saying commentary and and the council needs to be a broker and they're not used to doing that but by doing that they can materially improve the funding no longer is available from central government they're still in the position of expecting central government to provide them funding and they're not so so long as this conservative government is in position that's the situation but there's private finance that they could connect and deploy fairly easily and very willingly to these sorts of things um and then the last thing i think the council can do is around um novel models of delivery so supporting car share uh i i said i've taken a step to to get an electric car i've also taken a step to to share that car so it's between two households but it's really hard to do that insurance not ready for it so some of that is just the council talking to the insurers but also talking to the car share holders and kind of say that's a car share space that is so just as we've got electric charging ports to kind of say some of these some of these spaces on the roads are for car shares because you look at any street in pretty much any city um you look up the road you'll see at least half the cars on the street at any time that tells me we don't need half the cars on that street if we if we were sharing those assets and i get there are reasons not to share cars if you have a family it's really annoying to move all their nonsense in and out of the car every time um i get that i'd also question how much of that nonsense you need every time but fair enough um but i think at least a third of those cars aren't needed and aren't really wanted people like having a car but they really like the freedom they like knowing that there'll be a car waiting for them 
when they want one. So if there's 10 shared cars between however many people, yeah, maybe they won't all be there when you want them, but actually one of them will be there when you want it. And it might not be the exact one you wanted. You might want the van. You know, that's the other thing. You can then have more choice. You can have a van rather than, a, uh, you know, and maybe there'll be a sportier one, which will be fun for occasionally. But most of the time, you don't want the sporty one. You want the normal one. Um, those sorts of things, I think, are the options that, that you know, then they're not expensive. They're essentially paying a company and painting some lines on the road. Um, reaching out to a company, sorry, not paying them, reaching out to a company and painting some things on the road, um, inviting them in saying, provide car shares to people, do it big and people will do it. Fantastic. Those are the sorts of things that, yeah. that the council can do, be that conduit of, of finance. No, that's, that's brilliant. You've come up with some fantastic ideas. We're getting near to the end of time, Tom. <laughs> I've already done one question. <laughs> can you tell me, I mean, you've already a lot in your in your short life. Where are you where are you hoping to go in the future? What's what are your plans? I want to save as much CO2 as I can. Um, I've got the, the goal is to save a billion tons by the time I'm 30. And I'm about halfway there. Um, so I think I think that's that's plausible. Um, I, I think for me, twenty percent of the UK's carbon footprint happens in China. Mm -hmm. um, in the long term, I think that's something I'd be interested to kind of pursue because I've worked with a lot of Chinese companies um, in my various roles, and there are cultural differences. Um, is I think a better way of putting it, and. If, if we want to really decarbonize the world, it's important that that happens in China. It doesn't happen necessarily for Chinese people, but it happens in China. So we have to be able to crack and, and implement these best practices that we're building in Europe into China. And so I think that's, that's probably in the long term where I see. Is there anything else you want to add before we, we close? You got any, anything on your mind that you want to share with us i think what i'd share is a bit of hope is that um we have most of the technology to get us to net zero um this isn't a challenge of physics anymore um because they're really hard physics doesn't let you change things very quickly um this is now primarily a challenge of capital deployment and yeah it's, it's not technological development it's technological deployment and deploying the money and the models behind that and the political will behind that to get those technologies implemented in the most equitable and fair ways. We could do this really badly and really make a lot of poor people a lot poorer and make the world a lot less equal, but actually it's, another, it's an opportunity to make the world a lot more equal, but also we need to do it quickly. But I think, I think the hopeful thing is the technology is there, the money is largely there, it's just about deploying the two and connecting the two in a way that gets the job done and 
makes the world better. Can, can I just ask then, you reckon that sequestration is a solvable problem, do you? Uh, yeah, no, there are, it's a, it's a problem of scaling primarily. There are technologies that can, uh, lithographic, so storing carbon in rocks, there are technologies that can do it. It's just a question of scaling quickly. Yeah, but it uh, uses a huge amount of energy, doesn't it? Isn't yes, it? but again, that's a, that's a problem. It, it uses a large amount of energy, but... There is a huge amount of solar energy incident on the world. Like the amount of energy that is incident at any one time is colossal. Yeah. If we built 20 lithographic sequestration plants in the Sahara Desert, uh, okay. that's very doable. Okay. Um, it's just about doing it, if you know what I mean. Okay. And energy is not converting energy that is incident on the planet into something that is usable is not hard. We know how to do it. It's just about connecting the two things so yeah. that they do it. Yeah. Hey, Tom, that's fantastic. I really appreciate your, your thoughts and your time. I think this is a fantastic contribution to uh, the Kovcan uh, podcast series. Thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.